Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors on strategies for corporations and corporate compliance programs under the new DOJ guidance issued in 2018. First, a word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004 and celebrating its 15th anniversary this year, Indeed, this month, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's compliance and ethics program, please visit our sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. Over the course of this five-part podcast series, we'll discuss some of the new DOJ guidance that came out in 2018, what companies can do with it both internally and externally, how a strong compliance program can be used as both a sword and a shield, and what are the benefits of using a third party to fulfill your compliance mandate. In this concluding episode five, I visit with Ben DeCiani on utilizing a third party to fulfill a compliance mandate. Hello again, this is Tom Fox, back for our fifth episode in our five-part exploration of strategies for dealing with corporations under the new DOJ guidance. Today, I have back with me Vin DeCiani. Vin is the founder and CEO of Affiliated Monitors. Vin, uh, first of all, welcome, and I believe you have an announcement for us to begin with. Yes. Um, so, Tom, great to speak with you again. And um, uh, you have been very kind to Affiliated um, over these podcasts. And, I, you know, we are celebrating in January of 2019, our 15th anniversary as a monitoring company. So it's quite a milestone uh, to take uh, what was an idea for me many years ago and put it into action and to be uh, still um, going strong at uh, age 15. Uh, well, uh, Ben, I hope that we can explore that topic alone on a separate podcast. But uh, today I wanted to uh, close out this series by visiting with you on some of the benefits to uh, third parties to fulfill a compliance mandate. And in part four, in episode four, I was able to visit with Eric Feldman and uh, he talked about, uh, started to talk about that. Um, I guess the first thing I wanted to start with is one of the things that I've continually heard you guys talk about in speeches, in papers, in in face-to-face meetings, is the proactive monitoring. Why do you think that is so important now? And even more importantly, why should you have a third party come in as a proactive monitor? Yeah, it's it's um, something that we believe in very strongly, and we're doing a lot of this kind of work. Um, you know, one of the things that Rod Rosenstein uh, said in, at Compliance Week has sort of resounded with me, and he he indicated that the cost of compliance is money well spent. The cost of non-compliance is an expensive missed opportunity, and when you think about it, that that says that sort of speaks volumes to what this new guidance is all about, and that is for companies 
to take a serious look at their own compliance programs. And as I've talked about before, and Eric has talked about before, we see companies that just don't have the capability to do an honest and deep assessment of their own programs. And so, you know, the consideration here is bringing in an outside third party a professional, you know, a compliance company that is independent and neutral and doesn't have sort of the biases that, uh, you know, an internal review would have um, to look at a compliance program. And so the, the, the sort of the term, you know, independent monitor, independent consultant, independent, you know, proactive monitor, all of those are sort of interchangeable. But the idea is to bring in an outside entity with knowledge and, and experience um, to look at a program, you know. So I think that that's the sort of the consideration here. Um, so the idea, if I could sort of put it in a sort of a nutshell, is it's proactive monitoring to avoid an imposed monitor, right? So that's the idea. Now let's just pick up on that because I think that's something we really don't talk about enough. Um, you've obviously been a monitor. I've worked at a company that had, has had a monitorship, but to use the proactive monitor, uh, not only proactively to help garner a better result with the department, but to pro perhaps proactively stop an external monitor after a corporation has settled with the Department of Justice. Why is that important in your opinion? So a proactive monitor, if you're, if, so, so coming in to a company and they're not in trouble or they, you know, there's something going on and they want somebody else to come in to assess the program, um, can be a very effective tool to get to the sort of the root cause of what had happened, right? Um, an imposed monitor is coming at it from sort of a different vantage point because they are um, sort of imposed. Um, and their mandate is not necessarily to look at all aspects or, you know, it might be very specific um, in things that they're looking at. So, you, you know, in the proactive sort of approach, <laughs> Um, having a monitor in place, it's what happened with Rolls-Royce, right, at, at the uh, the SFO. When Rolls-Royce um, uh, entered into its deferred prosecution agreement, it had had an internal monitor already. You know, Lord Gold was already looking at things, and that the monitor then became, you know, a, a sort of a part of the process. Now, that would not necessarily work here um, uh, at in the U.S. because of the independence required of the monitor. But um, I think you get, as I said before, I think you get special consideration, you know, um, and so some of the things that the, the, the proactive monitor, um, is doing is sort of focusing the company on whatever deficiencies might exist within their program. It might be, um, uh, fixing the root cause problems by, uh, uh, implementing controls and processes. But more importantly, the independent monitor, and this is something that happens over time, can look at the company's efforts to implement those changes and then maintain them. You know, I've always, you know, contended that one of the benefits of a monitor is not the fact that we are doing the independent oversight, but that what we're doing is we're validating the efforts that the company is making to fulfill a mandate if it's imposed or to fill, uh, you know, the re recommendations when it is done proactively. I think that's one of the strengths of a, of a good monitor. 
is taking what all of the things that the company's doing and saying, you know, that's real. They have done that. And here's how we saw that. And we saw it here. And this is what we saw there. And here's, uh, you know, something that was created that is very effective. It's, in fact, it's a best practice that we've seen. That's a very important element, Tom. And I think that that sort of distinguishes um, sort of that proactive approach. Then, um, being from Houston, I always tell the story of Enron when the initial whistleblower, Sherry Watkin, came came forward, uh, made her allegations. Enron hired its um, uh, outside counsel, Vincent Elkins, to assess its own work. And I don't need to tell you what the assessment came up with. Uh, as I tell people, if you ask me to assess my own work, I can tell you now what the answer is going to be. It's great. Yeah. But uh, so why is the independent part of the assessment so critical? Well, again, we don't we don't go in with any preconceived notions. We don't have any judgments. We don't have any biases. It's it's it truly is a blank slate that we're looking at, you know. And so, because we've done so many of these, um, there are things that you look for. Yes, on paper, but also from all of the other information and data that you gather, you know, as part of the assessment. You know, so, you know, I use those words objective and, you know, professional and all of those kinds of things. Th- those are great strengths of a third party coming in. And, 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 and it just gets, be, be, you know, way beyond sort of the, the implication, you know, of, you know, it's a preconceived, uh, you know, and pre, uh, you know, ordained conclusion. Everything's great, you know, and they're doing a great job. You know, you're not going to get that. You're going to get an honest and fair assessment, and you're going to make a company look at itself in perhaps a way that, um, you know, it never has before. We did a monitorship a number of years ago, and we found out a lot about the company. The company was not very good at taking the temperature of what was going on in the field. And I can remember um, Eric and I being at a uh, reporting to the board on our findings. And, you know, it was very clear that um, they had some work to do. And I can remember the chairman saying to the people in the room, the people on the board, our people have spoken, you know, and this is what they need. And this is what they want to see. And that was very telling to me because, again, I don't think that they would have gotten that type of report from somebody internally. Um, So I I think that that's sort of... uh, why an independent uh, just makes a lot of sense. One of the things I wanted to do, Thomas, in, in, the, in the final couple of seconds, is talk about upside and downside um, of of bringing in an outsider, if that's okay. You bet. So the upside of bringing in, I think we've been talking about it, is bringing in an independent um, expertise, professionalism, experience, also efficiency. Um, doing a lot of these assessments, there's an efficiency that's created and it doesn't, the company itself doesn't have to recreate a wheel to, to assess itself. That those, all of those tools are already created. So what happens when you're doing an assessment as an outsider is you allow the company to continue in its business and you, as the outsider, you're watching the company while it's working. So I think that it would be a great distraction to do it internally. That's why I think one of the benefits is uh, of, a, of an external is just that, that it allows the company to do its work and the, let the, the, the expert you know, do the assessment. 
And as I said, sometimes the expertise of the independent can reveal companies that the problem may never have been, the company may never have been aware of. And some of them are subtle. Some of them are like lots of people, oh, there's a strain of paranoia in the company that the company may not be aware of. Or other kinds of things like you keep changing every day. We, you know, it's too much. Or you better change because you're not doing anything. Those are the kinds of things that you can see and, and some of the benefits of an outsider coming in. The downside of an outsider coming in really goes to whether a company is, I'm going to call it mature enough um, and comfortable with having an outsider coming in and looking at, you know, the dirty laundry, right? Um, so some of the, the, some of the concerns that companies have, loss of control. So you have an outsider coming in and looking at internal controls, processes, talking to people, right? That can be sometimes discomforting for some. Others love it. They love the idea of an outsider coming in and actually drilling down. Another downside or some concern is, Sometimes the recommendations that an outsider would make do not necessarily jibe with, you know, what's going on in the company. And so the company may, that's being, you know, assessed may say that's a little too much. For, for us, um, at, uh, at affiliated, we get that, you know, and so we can deal with, you know, um, adjusting the recommendations. Uh, the other thing that I, I think, uh, is sometimes a criticism of outside um, uh, assessment uh, companies coming in is what standard are you holding a company to? Is it a gold standard or is it sort of the reasonable man standard? And I think that that's important. You know, we, we take each engagement that we have and look at the company size, industry, how it compares to others, you know, so benchmarking some of those kinds of things. I, I think that that's one of our strengths. Some don't do that. Some just say, you know, this is the standard of a good compliance program. And if you don't meet it, you know, you're, you're out of here or, you know, you need to make great adjustments. So there are upsides and downsides to the benefits and, and sort of um, some of the disadvantages of uh, using an outsider. Well, Ben, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating five-part exploration of strategies for corporations under the new DOG guidance. Uh, thanks for taking the time uh, to visit with me. It's always a pleasure, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part exploration of the Department of Justice's guidance issued in 2018 and various pronouncements and how it will impact your compliance program and how you as a compliance practitioner can utilize it going forward. For more information on our sponsor, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. This five-part exploration has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.